You're listening to Passion Pod number 41 with Christian Brody from Agile Films. So Christian, let's just go back to the very beginning. How on earth did you get into filming stuff? My father worked for Universal Pictures for 30 odd years. So you've kind of been around it a bit. Yeah, uh, so in a way I think his passion for film is directly responsible for mine. And when we were kids we'd watch a lot of movies together. And, uh, and I think now he's retired and I'm working in film again. He has somebody else to talk to. It's like role movies. reversal almost. Yeah. So it was kind of an integral part of your, of your childhood. And then did you do it at school, university? How, sort of talk me through up until sort of now. No, I did uh, a, an English degree at UCL, and then I, I, when I finished that, I, I did a degree called rather grandly Contemporary Cinema Cultures at King's College London. Swanky. Yeah, it was probably grander sounding than it was, it just meant watching a lot of films. And I did it because I didn't really know what I wanted to do after leaving university. And you know, it was it was a theoretical course. It wasn't a filmmaking course at all. Uh, what's the word? I'm, I'm not technically perverse and, and filmmaking. I'm purely a creative producer in a sense. That's quite interesting, though, isn't it? Because for a lot of young people who work in the film industry, often the progression comes through being perhaps more hands-on. It's quite unusual. Yeah, I mean, I think for me anyway, the attraction to, to working in film has is, is always been storytelling, and, and that as a route into a career. I think my other potential career was in journalism. I, I did some years worth of work experience, attempting work experiences, and it's the same drive, I think, that uh, interested me. Film and the fictional elements that can come with that, as opposed to the, the realities of journalism, attracted me more. So you take me back, so you did your Masters. Mm. Well, I, I had a year of trying to get a job, you know, as is the way these days, and I think it was easier for me then than, than I think it is for a lot of people now. Um, and then I got really lucky. I got in with a recruitment company called Handle, and they put me forward for a job at the William Morris Agency in London. Um, I worked for two agents as an assistant stroke coordinator for the department, and it was the television department actually. Okay. Um, at the time, the William Morris Agency in London was quite a small little outfit. Um, I guess that's good because it gives you a chance to be sort of hands-on. Yeah, it was nice. It was a tough job. I should say at this point, I got fired after about five months, I think. Well, um, it hasn't had too much of an effect, so you're fine. No. <laughs> in a way, it was the worst thing that happened, and in a way it was a very good thing. Quite hard at the time, It I was imagine. really, really low. So Can I ask yes. you why? Or you yeah, no, happily. I, I mean, it sounds worse than it was. Um, you know, I think I had I did two big screw ups, and they brought me in one day as a Thursday oh. or something. You know, we're going to let you go, and I was side More by side surprise. myself. Yeah. But, uh, as it happened, it worked out well. They gave me um, they paid me off nicely. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got a couple of months off just before the Football World Cup, which was perfect. Uh, <laughs> as if you planned it. Exactly. I had a month of sitting at home watching the football, and um, also exploring other routes and I was really lucky in that I think it was about a week after leaving William Morris I got a job interview at the place I went on to, Content Film. And it was actually during that break that I first came across the story that would become Next Goal Wins. So as if by magic. So take us up to that point, Angel. Yeah, so then, then I got a job at Content Film, who are a, a film sales agent. My job, I was a junior sales guy. And we were looking at scripts and deciding whether to take them on. So I enjoyed that side of things a lot. The job really hinged around the three big film markets. And actually, what you, what you were doing was effectively every half an hour, a new meeting. 
and you were pitching wow. maybe five or six films in each half hour. You know, you learn how to pitch a film really, really intensely that way. What an amazing training, in a way. Mm. What an amazing sort of... Oh, definitely. I was there for three years of content, and I think the thing that sparked me, the, it was the creative stuff that really attracted me. So I think after two and a half years or so, I began to feel a little itchy. And without really knowing what I was getting myself in for, I saw this job at, at Agile Films, and they were looking for a new business rep. So another sort of sales position. Agile is a, is a commercials company primarily. But uh, as part of my interview here at Agile, we had to prepare a talk you know, as to a recent film you'd seen and why you really liked it. And having spent three years in a sales company, a perfect opportunity to basically do what I, I did. For, for in an interview, it's like... <laughs> and I think I got a little carried away. I was very excitable about it. And I think that coupled with the fact that I'd worked in features before. When it came to starting here, Miles was a producer at the London Film School. And I think when he set up a production company, the plan was always, eventually, to make film. So when I arrived, we agreed that actually what we had here was a setup where all the overheads that normally put people off getting into feature film production, we were covered. We have a production outfit, we have producers, we have camera equipment, relationships with crew, hire companies, we have a post-production facility here. And actually making a feature film suddenly became much less of a challenge. It's an amazing timing thing that though, isn't yeah. it? To embark on something that perhaps hadn't, I don't know, that was realised because of what you came together as almost, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we were, you know, absolutely credit to Miles. And, and actually Agile Together is founded entirely on that principle of flexibility and growth that comes out of not being that professional in a sense, we're quite relaxed. We're really here. professional. Yeah, I mean, there aren't really job titles here, really sort of has a role to play, but there's a fluidity to, to what everybody does, and consequently the work we end up winning from a commercial perspective and the work that we've ended up pursuing through the features department that I look after has come about through that mentality, through that sort of flexibility and fluidity. Um, and and what, what we decided was that my role would be bringing creative development stuff to the table. And we but great for you, because it's kind of going back to the original creativity that was becoming something that was more and more floating your boat at that time. Oh, definitely. It's absolutely... You know, if, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, or when I left university, or when I was at school, what, what, what would be a great job? Actually, maybe not when I was at school, because I don't think you really realise what a job entails, but... Looking back on this, I, I don't think there's a, another job I would rather do. I, I mean, we, we, we decided very early on that the differentiator we wanted to have that set us apart from other production companies in the same space as us was quality, really. I think, actually, my time in sales informed our decision to look at, at something beyond you know, what's hot at the moment because a lot of people are always searching for that. Um, but what does work always... It's quality. And also, story. Yeah, yeah. It goes back to what you were saying about you personally being fascinated by stories and just from watching the trailer for Next Goal Wins, you know, that story is just wonderful. Mm. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, Next Goal Wins came about mostly because of a passion for football that I had. I saw this story. It's such a great story. And I, I mean, I have to go and watch football with my brother sometimes, but... Like, football aside, what, I mean, the trailer was wonderful. Oh, yeah. I was just smiling at the end. How that even came about is, is really lovely too. Having heard about this great defeat... Legendary. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, 31-0 is on another level. I mean, the next biggest defeat of all time is 22-0. It's never going to happen again. I mean, the majority of the players were under 20. They were all... Uh, amateur.
to, you know, the training facilities were, well, you know, non-existent to, to a greater degree. But in fact, the thing that caught my eye about that was the fact that they were 17 nil down at half-time. And that, you know, in a way, says more about the spirit of the game than anything kind of, that you see in the Premier League every week. And I was telling anybody I could about it. And I went for a beer with uh, Mike Brett, who's the managing director of Archer's Mark, who are another production company similar to Agile Films. And this is about three years ago now. We were talking about all sorts of other things, really. And it was only that we got onto the subject of football. And I said, well, look, uh, I've got to tell you about this idea that I've had for a documentary. And I think it was closing time at this point, And we were sort of still in there for, you know, the, the next 45 minutes until they threw us out while I, while I was talking. Talking about as you walk yeah. out of the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he thought, oh, it's great. It's brilliant. It, you know, it's such a great idea. We, we definitely, we, we can do this. You know, we're a production company. We've got this sort of set up. And then typically I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> kind of went away and got wrapped up in all the other things we were doing here. And about six months later, went for a breakfast with Mike. And at the end of the breakfast, he said, so what, what, you know, whatever happened to that American Samoan story? And uh, at that point, I just said, yeah, no, you're right. I can't believe we've not done anything about that. We should so do it. And this was sort of February two years ago. And we put together a plan financially to go out there to American Samoa uh, just to, to get a, a sense of what kind of a story we, could, we might find. So the four of us went out to Pango Pango in American Samoa and spent six weeks or so with the team. We followed them to a tournament and were, despite their best efforts and their belief and their passion, were hopeless unfortunately and we, we came back here after that first shoot uh, with a trailer really we showed it off to sales companies and some distributors and, and some brands as well we were hoping to try and get some involvement that might help us finance the rest of the shoot and I think we've been back for about a month when we got this phone call from the CEO the sort of general manager of the Football Federation who said look uh, I thought you should, we should let you know that we've written to US soccer like the US version of the FA and uh, well they're sending us a, a coach a guy who was actually their um, head of the under 21 national team like a real professional coach and he's coming on Thursday <laughs> and we knew immediately well, if we're not there for that we haven't got films we're going to miss all this even though we had no real financing in place again and I went to Miles and, and begged him Jesus my Christmas present <laughs> <laughs> I think I made some sort of you can fire me if it doesn't work, that sort of promise. Right. Uh, yeah, well, you know, stupid. Um, and he, he agreed uh, amazingly, and to his eternal credit. And we went out again for another six weeks in the build-up to their World Cup qualifying games. And, I mean, planning a documentary, you take a risk. But the way this all panned out was... Well, you couldn't have written it. No, you really couldn't. I mean, this coach was a professional footballer. He played with George Best and Pelé. And he'd come from the super, super professional American system and I think he didn't really know what he was getting himself into and if you were writing the script as you said you would have probably gone out let's be realistic here but Thomas is an atheist who swears like a trooper loves a beer smokes like a chimney and American Samoa is probably well certainly the most religious place I've ever been and it must have just been like, oh, I just find that amazing. Yeah. It's like you just landed in the lap. Oh, completely. Oh, completely. And then, you know, what happened next? You know, we went to this tournament and their first game, they lined up against Tonga. And, uh, and they won. They won their first ever game. Oh, for God's sake. They won 2-1. And that must have been unbelievable. I'm a Manchester United fan and I've watched 
United in Champions League finals. And I, I swear nothing was as exciting as seeing American Samoa win and score. I mean, it will always be a very, very... I mean, it's a phenomenal story to be a part of. And I hope now that we've nearly done the film, we'll be able to finally deliver on how, you know, the reality of the, the actual story with a, with a film that, that reflects that. It was so fun. well worth the second trip out then. Yeah. Like, what were the biggest challenges of it? What do you think have been the, the tough parts? Because this all sounds amazingly exciting and to me yeah. hugely inspiring. Mm-hmm. But there must be things that have been, um, yeah, challenging at points. Well, definitely. There's a number of things. I think the whole thing of Next Goal Wins was sort of stuttered or stuck by a certain lack of self-confidence in my, in myself. I think it took meeting Mike and the massive self-belief that Mike and Steve have at uh, Archer's Mark to really put the fire up that and make it happen. Um, outside of Next Goal Wins, I think trying to, to set yourself up as an independent producer of feature film in the UK now and to differentiate yourself from thousands of other production companies is very difficult. And we were lucky that we were able to make a film in Next Goal Wins uh, because I think actually having done something will help trying to make something happen again. It's one of those, obvious. you can't make a film unless you've made a film. Yeah, so the cycle without gonna, it, yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to pay for you to make a film unless you've proven that you can make a film. And I think it's a mistake that some people I've spoken to, some young directors or producers I've spoken to who have come to me looking for our support because we now have a bit of development money. But a lot of people who have taken the opportunity to make a feature film, it can be a bit of a misstep. You know, people go and churn out things for for a hundred grand or less that are just not ever going to see the light of day. So, what do you think that is about Christians? Do you think that's about taking time? Do you think that's about talking to certain people? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, you know, there's there's no right way and wrong way. I mean, the, the dangerous thing I think some people look at how you get a film finance here and they think, well, you know, we we'll go to the BFI and they'll give us some money. But you know, everybody's going to the BFI. You've got to think differently. Yeah, I think so. I think you have to think about how what your other options are. and It's very difficult because every film is totally unique in how, how you might finance it and what its appeal might be. And you, There's no real formula for anyone to follow. But the best advice in terms of how you'd make something happen if you're a director, you know, you can't do it yourself. You can't make a film on your own. Um, you know, any film, <laughs> it requires... A group of people and so your best thing to do is to make sure your network is as strong and as good and as far flung as you can possibly let it be. Case in point for you guys here with the formation of the feature department I guess that's the best example for it. Mm-hmm. A match-up of different talents exactly as you were saying earlier being the thing that then enables you all to fulfill the different aspects of your individual projects. Yeah no completely and that sort of triangle is crucial you know, it's not all going to work all the time. You know, you're not going to be able to successfully squeeze three people together and make them function. But in, in principle, it's a great idea, I think. It's teamwork, yeah. I guess, because, you know, it's all well and good having these passions by yourself, but actually to enable stuff, especially, yeah. as you're saying, in the film industry, you're going to need more than just you. Oh, you know, sure. but with most things, I guess. It's just not sitting there having the idea. It's actually going out and doing it mm-hmm. a little bit. Having an idea that people who are the gatekeepers in, in the industry, they're all smart people, definitely, but just because they say no doesn't mean that they're always right. And also, you shouldn't be in all of them too much. You, know, you have a passion for your project and you think it's good. And, and, you know, a passion that survives beyond the original initial idea of going, oh God, this is fantastic, I'm so excited. 
you're still interested in it after a week or a month or a year. Or three years. Still going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, then you know it's something good and yeah, there should be a self-belief that comes out of that. You've been listening to Passion Pod number 41 with Christian Brody from Agile Films. 